podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And it's an ambivalent, confused Stop Hammer Time this week. The glorious celebration of our one-all victory in our last fixture is sending us all into spirals of confusion. Was it a win? Was it good? Drawing with Leicester, one-all at home in the Thunderdome. Was that a victory? Could it have been one? We thought it was. Here to dissect it is a dream team that I've been working towards assembling for the last few weeks. As you know, in Stop Hammer Time, uh, Jim Grant, my co-host who isn't here today, is never more than one gin and tonic away from a restraining order. Uh, I myself uh, walk a fine line between legal and illegal. This podcast has summoned three of the finest legal brains this country has to offer. Sometime during the course of last season, possibly even the season before, we discovered the fantastic blog about West Ham United and Wagner, produced by uh, our guest uh, this evening. It's Don of the Hammer. Don the Hammer. Hello, Good Don. Hello, Phil. He is in real life. I'm protecting his identity uh, by not giving his real name. He is a high-flying lawyer. Uh, possibly the highest-flying lawyer we thought we knew. Until, <laughs> until uh, I did talk sport one day, and uh, the the uh, assistant producer at the time of Sam Delaney's show said that, "Oh, my dad likes West Ham. He's a he's a lawyer. You should get him on." And uh, so we did. We did one with uh, Jeremy Dean QC. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, uh, Phil. All I would say is that if my daughter says I like West Ham, she's grossly underestimated right. the passion I've shown since, since the day she was born. Right, you have a word with her later. You've infused her with uh, a love of rather than Britpop and boy bands. Well, I think so, I like West Ham. Yeah, um, doesn't really represent lifelong suffering, which we'll talk about no okay. doubt in just a moment. It feels to me like we need to get her on the podcast and harangue her uh, and well, force her in public in the public eye. Well, it may be explained by the fact that she was with me in Cardiff when we lost one 0 to Crystal Palace. Brilliant uh, in the playoff final, so she's probably kind of depressed. I was at that game, and uh, Jim Grant, my co-host, who is not here this evening, probably the priory wouldn't let him out to come here. Uh, he still blames the f- the fact that I didn't wear a scrap of claret and blue on our loss in that game yeah. he for some reason is obsessed with the fact that i didn't wear any form of kind of west ham branded supporters clothing on the fact that we got beat one nil by crystal well, palace could be, could yeah. be. Yeah. do you think so are you well let's move on to, to our, to our yeah. so so two lawyers two two lawyers down don and the hammer uh, Jeremy Dean QC. Jeremy Dean says you should have my friend on. Uh, he is also a barrister at the same set of chambers as yes. Jeremy Dean QC. Yes. Here's, of course, Simon Pentel. Good evening, and I'm not superstitious, and I would never blame any article of clothing, worn or not worn, on the failure of our beloved team to um, produce a given result on a given day. You are a pragmatist. You have a, you have a, 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 a legal brain that dissects an issue uh, and lays it out for everyone to see. I wouldn't go that far, but um, quality in the in inevitably wins in football, and when we've had it, we've won, and when we haven't, we've lost. And I don't think it matters whether you wear an inch of clarity and blue or you're decked in it from head to toe absolutely fuck superstition is what i think we've all agreed on <laughs> gentlemen uh let us vote on that with respect vote carried with respect to stevie wonder of course yes yes we love super yeah, we love that superstition I can pl- i can i say phil yes and i know i represent the junior end of the profession here this is don <laughs> speaking don Mama. and i'm in exhausted company yes. surrounded by qc's as i am but and our TV audience will appreciate this mm-hmm. when you get those rights. I am the only one that's bothered to dress appropriately. Yeah. You, yes. Don Hammer, you are in a suit. I'm in I a detect. suit. Yeah. Suit and a tie. And a bowler hat. And a bowler hat yes. and an umbrella. And a hint yeah. of claret and blue. And if we win yes. at Goodison Park tomorrow night, we'll know that wearing West Ham colours <laughs> yeah. really matters. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Whereas and if we lose... The senior, well, the senior end of the profession... Yeah. I, I just can't express my... Well, there are two possibilities. One is laziness, the other one is shame. 
and the third we can look at that. and the third is neither of us are in court today so it's perfectly acceptable absolutely uh, if you were in court you'd presumably be in gowns and and um well what is taking what is taking the silk what does taking the silk mean what is taking the silk silk, silk. Yeah. Taking, it's just uh, is, um, a convention uh, it basically means when you're very senior you can apply to a lot more money uh, right. Well, it doesn't actually mean a lot more money when you do the sort of work I do, which is publicly funded um, work at all. There is no more money. In fact, there's very little money. But um, we, we um, effectively means getting the sort of rank which enables you to do the more serious cases. <laughs> uh, it's a bit like, um, you know, being... It's a bit like being the Mark Noble of the current West Ham team. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Except with a lot more pace. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We don't tend to run around in circles all the time in the way that he does. No, no, yeah. Clearly yeah. there's some... But, but, but you... Jeremy's pace from, from one end of the courtroom to the other would leave Mark Noble in shame, I can, yeah. I can assure you. If, if we perform like Mark Noble does, yeah. then there'd be, the prison population will be doubled. <laughs> that's all I'd say. <laughs> Not be... running in circles, but no purpose or objective. And we'd all be broke. Do chambers, do chambers, uh, organisations, chambers, try to um, poach barristers from other sets yeah, of chambers? Well, yes, we did. Simon. Yeah. Right, you, you're, so I your set Simon. of chambers... Yeah, Simon and I were at school together. Yes. Yep. Simon, who is a fantastic defence barrister, was in was like a fish out of water. He was... Um, I was in a big, heavy-duty establishment set. prosecution set. Yeah. Right. And I lured him... You did. Um, to, ...to our... You tapped him up? Defense he tapped me up. Yeah, tapped I, up l- yeah. Jeremy um, very, very um, ably uses the word lured. I would call it incessant nagging <laughs> for about 18 months until I finally gave in. But on all seriousness, I'm very glad that Simon I Simon is the Florin Radachoy of, of, <laughs> of the bar. You know, Ooh, he, I spend uh, my afternoons in Harrods. curling shot against Manchester United. Yeah, but, yes, I, w- yes. but I won't go to... Um, wherever Harrods. it was Harvey Nichols no, no, I, I, no I won't go to some place in the north for a cup tie but I will go to Stockport, I will, I will go Stockport. To Stockport thank you Stockport. but I will go to Harrods in the afternoon we lost 1-0 right. We are there cases where you just don't fancy it and because no. it's the way? No, we oh, don't do that. I, no, no. Do that. Wood no. Green, Wood Green Crown Court no, on, a, on a rainy no. on a do. rainy Wednesday. We do. What we <laughs> have don't to fancy do. it. But if we, do, we, do if we, we can avoid, if we can avoid going going north of Hendon, we certainly do. <laughs> Excellent. We'll have to go a lot next season if we want to watch our <laughs> beloved team play away, though, won't we? Yes. I we mean, will. starting point will be somewhere like Scunthorpe. Let's pause for a second while I say these two things. If you have an iPhone, a lot of people do, don't they? And you're listening to this podcast, check out our new iPhone app. There's a new app. You can listen to this episode and previous ones seamlessly. You can download them automatically to listen offline, get the latest news about the team from the nation's experts. I think that might be us. That might be us. And official videos from the club and less official videos as well, also not from the club. Um, from, from a German porn site. I hope none but, of those videos are from our owners. Yes, yes, I hope so too, yes. Uh, the Stop Hammer Time app is free at app.westhampodcast.com. App.westhampodcast.com. I would be remiss also if I didn't tell you that this season's Stop Hammer Time is brought to you in association with Ladbrooks. Sign up and deposit up to £50, and Ladbrooks will put the same amount into your account, giving up to £50 worth of free bets. Look for these and other offers at bet.westhampodcast.com. So to get the app, app.westhampodcast.com for the Ladbrooks offer, uh, free £50 deposit, blah, 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 uh, betwesthampodcast.com. These have been your opening messages from me. And beautifully delivered, Philip. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, son. You should be a professional. I, I appreciate that from one who speaks for a you, living. You're remarkably eloquent. I mean, you know, uh, you're as eloquent as Stuart Pearce, for example. Uh, he's, he he's, hasn't appeared in front of the microphone yet, has he? No, he does us? talk sport, no. doesn't he? Yes, oh, he does a bit of talk sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a sort of verbal fist waver, isn't he? Like he's he was bit. on the touchline on Friday, you know, using all these coaching techniques yes. kind of waving his fists like Kevin Keegan used to do he broke his leg twice for us didn't he and he only played for about a scene and a half for us mm. maybe That's two seasons dedication yes yeah broke his leg but he did score a screamer against Spurs in the cup when we lost 3-2 at home from a free kick from a free kick that's right yeah well he was good at free kicks wasn't unfortunately he? Yeah. I know we're coming on to more contemporary times but I'm afraid the sight of Stuart Pearce on the touchline at Upton Park for me represents everything that's wrong with the club we're just back in the dark ages of you know where we were when we lost at Stockport. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what you think about. Well, I think we needed some defensive stability. We needed someone in there, and it was noticeable before the Leicester game that, and I haven't got a clue about 
strategy and training and <clears throat> but um the defense he was there with with the defenders and they were doing their bit someone else was with the midfielders the strikers were doing their bit in front of goal up for the previous two and a half years we've been sort of jogging around on the pitch now whether you can tell anything from the half an hour before the game actually mm-hmm. starts i don't know but it looked as though there was some Something. sort of system the trouble is on. that Stuart Pearce has been sacked by almost every club in the country that's what depresses me i mean he, he's a failed coach yeah but unfortunately we got to the point where any change was a step in the right direction <laughs> that's right we i mean needed it did seem to change. a kind of a fresh pair of eyes was what was yeah. needed after we you know our last season we hit an absolute low with that that 3-0 home defeat by Southampton, didn't we? And it was a, another one of those situations where I think Mark Noble in his post-match interview said, this is this is the low, we've hit the lowest bottom, you know. The, the, it was wrong. How wrong he was. Yeah. Well, no, because the next game was away at Crystal Palace where we sort of got a, did we get a we sneak won, a 1-0, didn't we? Uh, Zaza had possibly his Cresswell, best appearance. And Cresswell yeah. had a half-decent game. Yeah, yeah. And, and it did it did herald a slight kind of upturn. And that seems to be the feeling about the Leicester game, uh, generally, is that even even though it's a home draw with Leicester, we... Uh, it was a slight move in a kind of upwards direction. I didn't go to it. Uh, I didn't see it on TV either. Um, well, I have to say that, having suffered it, that... Um, there was one cause for optimism, I thought, in that game, and a cause for optimism in these very bleak times. And it had nothing to do with the people on the touchline, and it had nothing to do with the 11 idiots running around in claret and blue shirts, and it had nothing to do with those who have the stewardship of our club. There was an extraordinary, spontaneous outburst of support. That was my son and I. 50,000 mm, West Ham excellent. fans that yeah. went on for about 20 minutes. And I thought it was, an act, it was either a show of defiance or it was telling the world, we really are going to move away and not rely upon the players or the board or the staff to get our club over the line. We're mm. going to take control of this. And I thought it was an absolutely remarkable thing to witness yeah. in the face of adversity and the criticism that the fans had received, certainly for the behaviour of think, some of them at, Crystal, uh, at Watford away, that that was really actually yeah, fantastically Simon, positive. I, I, you know, knowing you and how harsh you are about West Ham... I find that quite a remarkable proposition. The situation is this, that, you know, Golden Sullivan took us to the Olympic Stadium on a promise that within a short space of time we'd be challenging for a Champions League place. You know, the stadium would facilitate that, buying sort of players that, you know, we could only dream of. And you're now saying that what, is in, what it's in fact come to is about 30,000 Cockneys having to shout and scream in order to keep us up. That's that precisely is, that what is, I'm saying. That is, that's precisely that what I'm saying. not really what the promise was. Well, no, it's not, but yeah, that's but what I'm saying. And that's, Jeremy, that yeah. proves the indictment, I think, the greatest indictment of the club and the fact that there is such a thing as fan power and in, in this day and age, and I thought it was actually a display, as I say, um, of, of the fan base saying, listen to the owners, we can't get rid of you, yeah. but we will, we will actually drown you out and we will demonstrate that whatever you do, whatever lies you tell, however misleading your statements have been and will continue to be whilst you still own the stewardship of our club, we will just march on with or without you. Yeah. And I thought that was why it was important. It sounded, yeah, it sounded hugely encouraging to me that the, the, they really got behind the team for the kind of second half of uh, uh, the game. And even though the goals yeah. weren't scored in the second half, it felt that our performance, uh, from what I heard from the match reports, we were kind of on top in the second half and could have done with just sticking the ball away uh, and um, yeah mind you we could have been out of sight by half time because it was a clear penalty of Masuaku on uh, Albrighton yeah yeah I mean, it was amazing I think it was the uh, uh, whoever the ref was was it Martin Atkinson yeah. he was probably thinking back to um, Jonathan Moss's refereeing at in the King Power a couple of yeah, years yeah. ago when we were when he gave them a penalty blah yes. blah blah um, I think it was, look, it's, it, it felt great to be in that atmosphere. Mm, mm. And we were part of it and people were dancing and it was brilliant. And it was a show of something. I'm not quite yeah. what, but it was a show of something. I think it was a of frustration. So but to castigate the board, yeah. Jeremy, I think it's naive of us to believe their promises. There's, there's 19 other clubs in the Premier League. All have got a fair amount of resource. Let's say half of them 
just want to avoid relegation. Mm-hmm. The other half also think, are also promising they're going to be in the Champions League. After we've talked about football in this in, in this episode of the podcast, I'd quite like to talk a little bit about sort of a possible kind of, you know, just the way the club has gone in the last kind of, probably the, the time of the Premier League, so the last kind of 25 years, because it has been a sort of sorry tale of... Uh, um, incredibly bad luck with things like the global financial collapse affecting the one country that about a year before you would have thought would have been recession proof iceland uh and uh lack of ambition i say in the early 90s uh but let's let's just go back to sort of the just the football for uh this in these next few minutes because we've got a couple of games coming up in very very quick concession uh succession we've uh um, they're coming thick and fast, uh, like Theo Walcott. Uh, we have uh, we're playing Everton uh, tomorrow, night. tomorrow, and then City uh, away on Saturday, Sun- Sunday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Sunday oh, it's Sunday afternoon, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We got that to what look forward a to. Fucking disaster. Um, so uh, we stabilised things. Was it last year or the year be- before? We had a battling nil-nil up. At, no, the year before we won at City. I was there. No, no. I'm talking about Everton. 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 There, there was something yeah, year before we won, we won three two. two. Yeah, that's uh, right. We only need yeah, twelve yeah. minutes towards yeah. the end of the game. Yeah, two yeah. nil down. Yeah, that's yeah. all it takes. We um, it does if you've got Dimitri Payet playing for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Depends which Dimitri Payet, but. Well, the one that he, turned up that afternoon. So for the for, for the Leicester game, uh, he dropped Noble, and you know I, I feel that's probably the right call. I, I sort of uh, the 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 three players in the middle of that kind of amorphous five-man midfield are all doing the same job. They don't. They're all getting each other way, really, and I think. Um, uh, he contributed at least a third to that, getting in each other's way, and one of them had to, <clears throat> one of them had to be dropped. And I think it's probably the slowest one. Who... They're all trying to do the same job, but two of them have a very different mentality. Kiate and Noble are attack-minded people, and no matter how often they are told to be the last man in, to, to protect Screen the front of that, yeah, yeah. they will be wrong side. Um, Obiang, who unfortunately I really rate him as a player, but unfortunately he's having the worst few run of games that I've seen in the last yes. 18 months. But he at least has the the class and potential to to operate yeah. in that role. And until we get someone better, he's the only person for it. Kiate, for all his magnificent athleticism, will be. T- five yards the wrong side he'll be thinking of going forward yeah yeah yeah. and noble honestly it's just those days of that ship has sailed yes i think i think it has i think he i think he you know should be on the bench and in the dressing room kind of you know firing people up but uh, but on the whole i think he's he should be considered sort of uh, a squad player now i think playing obiang more will help with that i mean he's sort of quite been quite badly treated uh, by yep. Bilic you know like he was sort of scapegoat I mean we've sort of said this a few times mm. on the po- podcast but everyone had a mayor in the first game away at Manchester United but he was dropped for the next game and you're going Slav do you do you remember him from last season he's a good footballer he you know and actually when you're sort of trying to get someone to play better I think you should just play them a lot you know rather than go well I'm only going to play him for part of a game or I'm going to put him on the bench or I'm going to drop him you know um, well I mean I think a lot of, there's a lot of truth in what you say but the simple fact is that we um have got what 25 games left this left this season and we somehow have to generate a minimum of 30 points yeah. out of those 25 yeah, yeah. games otherwise it's curtains and goodnight vienna yeah. and it's so important that whatever is done um is done in order that we do avoid relegation this season because i personally think that it would be absolutely catastrophic yes. if we were to be relegated at this stage um the prospect firstly of, of thirty thousand people in a sixty thousand seater stadium yeah, yeah. next season would be shocking um and i don't think that there would be the sufficient bounce to use the term no. to get us no, back no, 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 in no. one in one leap no. and 
we could very well find ourselves languishing, I am the ultimate prophet of doom on this, in outside the Premier League for, for a few years. And yeah. I think that would, well, that lottery, would be crippling. However yeah. well-equipped or otherwise one is, if you get relegated, it's a lottery whether you come out of that. Division. Well, when we, when we went into this new stadium, I think we had to become a different sort of football team, a team that's never going to go down. That's right. In a 60,000-seater stadium. You know, and there are those teams. Obviously, in, during, during the time of the Premier League, um, you know... Uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, well, there are uh, Manchester six of them. City, six of them. Never, Spurs, Arsenal, and yes, Chelsea have, have never, been never looked like they're going to go down. No. Also, Everton have never been down, but yeah. that's sort of luck. That is a little bit lucky. They're exactly like a team that could have gone down, like uh, Aston Villa. You know, finally, Aston Villa's hoodoo broke and they went down. Mm. Uh, they were another one of those teams. So at one time, you sort of thought, you know, I think there are kind of three leagues, really. This, 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 uh, we'll be playing Champions League football within five years. I don't care about that I don't really take it seriously but we have to at least be one of the teams that's in the top sort of 14 the first seven the middle seven and just not in the sort of bottom seven at all two seasons we've been in that place and have been very much in that mix of teams that are in the kind of very uh, direct danger of being relegated we simply cannot be one of those I teams would really in, like a in a 60,000 I feel I'm owed a European yeah. tour and for two seasons running We've been knocked out while, I'm, while I was still on holiday by the same team. Yeah. Well, if you're superstitious, the answer to that is don't go on holiday and we wouldn't have been knocked out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think the really fascinating question is, you know, when you think back to the last season at Upton Park, it was an, a phenomenal season. Mm. And we really played some amazing football. And let's not forget, you know, we won at Man United, we won at Man City, we won at Arsenal, yep. we won at Liverpool. Liverpool. I mean, w you know, w the last game everyone will remember you yeah. know, for the rest of their lives... Bilic was an icon, you know, was a man mountain. His, mm -hmm. his, his, his motivational skills appeared to be second to none. If you remember that summer, the Euro, whatever it was, summer, European Championships. he was mm -hmm. like a TV star. He was lying yeah. on the table. Everyone was patting him on the tummy. You know, he was like that annoyed me, destined to, to be say. like, you know, one of the best managers. And then we go to the Olympic Stadium and it's been, a, quite frankly, a nightmare since the mo moment we set. Now, the question is, why? Yeah. Why has it been? Well, I think, I, think, I, think, I think that the answer to the question, in actual fact, has very little to do with being in the Olympic Stadium. Um, I think that there are many, multi there are multifaceted answers to your question, Jeremy. But the first comes down to the players. And however else you want to slice it, and I know all the emotion that meant that just about every game at Upton Park in the final year felt like the final game. Um, but we did lose at home that season. It wasn't well, a perfect lost four season. We actually, in a penultimate game. Well, yeah, and, we, and we, lost, yeah. we lost our first home game against Leicester and we got our second game. We conceded four against we did. Bournemouth. We did. Yeah. But yeah. the point is, for that season, and you cannot, unfortunately, I think, overstate it, when you have... For that season, arguably, the best player in the Premier League, it yeah. don't half make a difference. Yeah, yeah. And however much you want to say otherwise, you know, he was talismanic for that season and he was brilliant. And however many goals he scored, um, the ratio of goals he either himself scored or he actually provided an assist yeah. for is up it's over 75 percent and i don't like the idea that we were a one-man team but the truth is we were and he was fantastic and dimitri payet to maintain that level in the second season needed quality around him yeah, yeah. he was promised quality around him and if i can use the term he found he was surrounded by shit and dimitri payet is not the sort of player that will react positively to that no. he needed to it's all very well banging on a drum we're going to another level and it reminded me if i may say this um of, of when um glenn Roder came in to west ham and and uh, the following the demise of harry redknapp and paolo di Canio was promised that there would be a big name manager to come in yeah. and it was glenn Roder. you know paolo shrugged his shoulders and said well what the fuck am i doing here um i was promised so much more i'm the i'm the club captain i'm the best player here we're meant to be going onward and upward and we've and we're going backward but actually we did finish seventh under road <laughs> quite remarkably it and, was that, was strange, be, and that was because yeah, yeah. di Canio had an extraordinary season yeah yeah Ten. it was extraordinary uh let's take a little break now and uh, we'll be back after this message stop hammer time is backed for this season by ladbrooks welcome back um uh 
As you may have heard from previous podcasts, this is our, uh, we're coming in up to our sort of 10th anniversary of uh, Stop Hammer Time. And uh, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, going back through the archives and looking at some of the things uh, that we, we un- unearthed in uh, podcasts of yore. Um, one of them was, uh, well, the, the assembled gentleman will remember the, uh, uh, the phone hacking scandal and uh, the subsequent uh, report. What's the name of that report? Um, the into the hacking phone hacking scandal. Oh my god! I can't the Elverdon, Elverdon, Operation Elverdon. No, no, no. The Leveson inquiry. Leveson inquiry. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because uh, back in 2007 we were hacking emails uh, and uh, reading them out on the podcast. We were really into it. We um, uh, following in the news of the world's. Uh, wake and uh, Piers Morgan's wake, uh, Rebecca Thingy's wake. We 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 did it. And here's one. This is uh, this is one. I found this the other day and printed it out. It's obviously one uh, just after the 2010 um, demolition in the snow of Manchester United in the League Cup, mm-hmm. uh, oh where Jonathan God. Spector. Yes. Uh, yeah. We played two. We, he scored two. We've got Jonathan Best Spector. Yeah. We've got Jonathan. Yeah, Spector. that's yeah. right. Uh, so this is an email from uh, one of the players in the team to his mother that we we hacked. Uh, I'll um, I'll read it up for you. Uh, Dear's mama, is me you son Radoslav Kova. It's funny that he wrote not in Czech or in English, but in a kind of pigeon English. It was strange that his writing style was a pigeon. He'd obviously been borrowing Joe Barton to help. Quite him. yes, exactly. Yeah, dear's mama is me. You son Radoslav Kovac. Thanks so much for mine's Christmas present, which I have now pick up from Felix Do Freight Terminal. She is very nice, and now mine's bachelor pad is sparkly new, clean and hoover, and mine's clothes are all iron. She is kind and hardly ever complain. Just sometimes I am hungry. Why can't I go outside? I haven't decided on a name yet, but I might call her after one of West Hammers's owner. She says her name is Svetlana, but I will call her Goldie. <laughs> Mama, I want to come home. Vampire manager Avram Grants have made me play a whole match in freezing cold weather last week. We plays against Manchester United's. I can't remember the score, but mine's testicle were small and frightened. They was so cold. Mama, and funny thing happen. You would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Mama, and complete stranger round to pitch. I don't know where he came from and starts to play with us. He's right. Security men's didn't even try to stop him. Silly men's. He was dressed like us, but I have never seen him before. And get this. He scored two's goal and referee let goal stand. His strong argument for goal line technology. King of Scotland, Lord Sir King Alex Ferguson, was so angry his nose light up all red. And gets this, strange man's name is Jonathan Speculum. And now, even though transfer window is shut, he play instead of me. Result, yesterday I sit all snugly warm and watch everyone running around in snows in a place called Slumberland. Only in the UK do they name a town after Bedshop. Mama, say happy Xmas to Papa. Tells him I hope things pick up and not to worry. Xmas is always a slow tri- time for arms dealing. <laughs> Send more hair gel. Your loving son, Radislav Kovac. Oh, that's just fantastic. I wonder what happened say. to him. I, I wonder, but... Um um, clearly, diversity um, hadn't affected the podcast in no. 2010. No, 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 no. So we, we really, we really didn't bother with that kind of. Thing. Quite right. No, too. no, no, no. Not at the time. This yeah, is yeah. West Ham, after all. Oh, obviously, yes, yes. Radislav Kovac. He but, formed a boy band with uh, Barami, didn't they? Both had blonde highlights. We used to call but, them but, Jedward. You know, that that is truly very, very funny. Um, genuinely, and very. He was clever. a funny guy. Unfortunately, Radislav. unfortunately. You know, bringing us back to West Ham United, mention of Avram Grant simply underlines that we've gone nowhere. The only place we've gone, if anywhere, is backwards since the days of Avram Grant. I'm not saying we have, but that's if we've gone anywhere, it's backwards. There was a strange fallout, wasn't it? I mean, the the I suppose we get on to this now. Really, the the I mean, obviously. We got relegated in 2003, and that was partly to do with sort of. Uh, 
putting money into that huge stand uh, probably about five or six years after we should have done it. I think I think the kind of Cairns and Terry Brown dynasty were really lo- sort of slow to see what this new Premier League was. You know, uh, there was a time when we really could have developed that ground in the early 90s and been the East London team had been playing to kind of 45,000 every week in the early 90s. We didn't. We finally cottoned on. I mean, in a way, I see buying Hartson and Kitson as Redknapp finally shaking them by the scruff of the neck and saying, you've got to buy some footballers. We have to stay in this new Premier League thing. You know, because we weren't in the first season of it, were we? We were doing that. We sort of yo-yoed between about 89 and 93. We went sort of up, down, up, down, didn't we? And we we We, weren't in the Premier League for the first year of the Premier League. Right. And we joined it the second year. But then... Three years the later, we got relegated. Yes, yeah. Then we came up for one season. We got relegated again. Yes, that's right. Um, we got relegated under Billy Bonds and we came back under Billy Bonds. Yeah. And it was... Um, it was after that that, of course, there was the massive um, Redknapp Bonds fallout. Yes. Um, and I put my cards on the table. I'm a huge Harry Redknapp fan, both as a man and a manager. And it's no coincidence that under his stewardship, we were never relegated. No. We had a couple of close shaves. I'm not going to pretend we didn't. Um, I don't think we did, actually. I think my recollection is we finished we, in the... Well, we did on the top 11. 11. Yeah, 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 we had some really good yeah, finishes. But, yeah. but we were never relegated under Harry. And toward the end, the last few seasons, we never looked like we were going to be relegated. No. And although certain people criticise him, and I think very unfairly because they've got no proof to all the accusations that are made, um, the simple truth is he might have bought a lot of players, but my God, one, he bought class... I mean, De Canio being one of the greatest purchases the club yeah. has ever made. And only Harry would have done that. And secondly, under him, you know, he brought through, obviously, Cole, Carrick... Um, Ferdinand. Ferdinand, Jermaine Defoe, et al. And that, you know, and he took, he took the club by the scruff of the neck. And the reasons for his departure are still, I think, um, seriously moot. Um, people make accusations, but don't forget he got a huge payout when he left West Ham, and you don't pay out a manager um, if he's done wrong. No. Um, and I think there was a big power struggle between him and Terry Brown, and Terry, there was only going to be one winner, and it was Terry. For us, unfortunately, it was Terry Brown, and the rest, as they say, is history. We got relegated two years after with the best team ever to get relegated, and I would say this. Um, critically of Glen Roder, it's almost an achievement to get a team relegated yeah. that boasted Canute De Canio, Trevor Sinclair, David yeah, yeah. James, um, Cole Carrick, Glenn Johnson. Um, you know, that's, su- that's yeah, some achievement to f- well, yeah. get that team relegated. Let me say this, and whilst, whilst I hate to take issue with the senior end of the profession... <laughs> You're going to. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am. Um, I think that he um, he certainly... Um, he inherited an amazing crop of players coming through. I think we have to give credit to Tony Carr for bringing them through. Yes, he bought Decanio, and yes, he spotted him when he could have just fallen by the wayside. He also bought Rigobert Song, Titi Kamara for £1.1 million uh, when Titi Kamara was on sale by Liverpool for 600000 six months before. So... What the hell was that about? Something, something I don't happened know, with that. I don't know money, exactly I what went along, what, mm. what, what went. As you say, it's, it's conjecture and, I, and it's rumour. I don't have any inside knowledge there. But we got a lot of money for Rio. And inevitably, some of that was going to go into the Rio stand that became the West Stand. Yeah. But um, I think there are also serious questions to answer. And maybe because... Um, I'm, fr- I, I'm from an era I started game when both Bonds and Redknapp were in the team, but um, Bonds was my hero, and I and I choose Bonds in that particular in that particular contretemps purely on an emotional level, and I have a deep suspicion of Redknapp. Well, listen, Harry Harry is will operate in a certain way, but he's had a tremendous career as a football manager, and I would say about him above and beyond all others his ability to spot a player and recognize talent yeah, absolutely. Is, is quite legendary and i would be as bold to say that one of the reasons we are failing and have been for the far past few years is that we don't have a sporting director now i'm not i'm yes, not 100% I, and i'm not necessarily yeah. in favor of that but the problem for us is our sporting director is our bloody chairman it's yeah. Vital. and yeah. he might know a great pair of lils when he sees one yeah. but spotting a really promising oh. 
19-year-old yeah. yeah, yeah. playing yeah. in Eastern Europe is not his yes, great that's talent. Right. We and have you can't to run a club this. as yeah. if you're playing um, football manager um, yeah. o- o- off, off Xbox. It don't yeah. work like that. This no, is real-life football. That's right. That's that. I mean, I think that's the real crux of the problem at the moment. Is that, you know, there were... Billich was, uh, was sort of responsible for, you know, like quite big sort of tactical decisions in our style of play. And when he came in, he had a kind of counter-attacking style that our pace at the fullback with Jenkinson and uh, Cresswell version one, because version two post-injury is a shadow of... Is no, well, that was Allardyce that you know, those Yes, together. that's right. That yeah, but, 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 but they suited this counter-attacking style that won us that Arsenal game in the first game of the season and the Liverpool game. Also, fast, you know, fast thinking players, Paillet and Lanzini, that could make a sort of break with pace. That's all gone now. And I think we said this last week, you know, our, our transfer policy is so shambolic now that uh, we said this last week when your when your two striker targets are Hernandez and Giroud that's two completely different styles of football what that shows you is that you don't have any sort of idea of the type of football you want to play and, and that's Phil is because and I said this before on the on the podcast is that the, the buying decisions come from David Sullivan and and they have and they are his decisions and if you needed best evidence of that, um, toward the end of the window, when he came out publicly, which I think is shameful, and said, there are two players we offered Slaven, and he decided that he didn't want either of them. Well, the, of the two players concerned, Slaven was absolutely right. One of them went to Swansea and has been absolute dog shit from the first moment, mm. um, with a huge reputation, and Slaven was proved right. But it's not for your chairman to identify players and he may have arrangements with agents and the mm-hmm. like and then tell the manager whom to buy and that's a big that's a big part of the problem yeah yeah but also i think that we had a problem with in slaven i couldn't agree more that sullivan needs to keep his nose out of footballing affairs and it's never going to happen i fear we need to sell the club he well the club needs to be sold before that will ever change but i i think slaven in retrospect and i loved him to bits but I, I think his strengths turned out to lie in man management rather than um, day-to-day yeah. training and playing the right formation. I think he, I think the facts show that he ended up a bit out of his depth. And it may be why he was a great international manager, because he didn't have, his strengths, I'm not sure, are working day-to-day mm-hmm. on fitness and working out right formations and things. He's great at putting his arm around a shoulder and making people feel loved, and we love him. But you need more than that. But I think that. there's, a, you know, there were kind of, you know, one, one thing that really happened with, with the transition from Zola to Grant was that there were clearly problems, you know, behind the scenes in the dressing room, that sort of mental fragility, which we sort of have now of like, when we were scored against, that was pretty much it. It just fell over like a house of cards. If we, if we got our noses in front in the game, sometimes we were okay, we'd win that game. Uh, but we had this huge fragility. Uh, th- there was no captain. Upson was just a... a an absence on the pitch Grant had a chance to kind of come in and change that that was the kind of malaise that caused us to fall apart eventually under Zola but whoever in their right mind thought that appointing Avram Grant as a manager of West Ham United was a sensible thing to do I'd rather have the who's Tommy Mm -hmm. as in he was deaf dumb and blind being the bloody manager than Avram the thing is with Avram Grant there are, there are layers of questions. I mean, the starting point with Avram Grant, for me, has always been, where the hell did he come from? I mean, Abramovich, you know, brought him into Chelsea. Who, who was he? Who is he? Mm. So at the point he was appointed at West Ham, you know, I think that was the season after Chelsea lost the Champions League. In the final. You know, right. So, yeah. so the here was a guy who's, who had a reputation, you know, the, the, the stature mm. out of nothing that, that got him that job. He, yeah. look, he was... Absolute calamity. There is no doubt about it. He was horrendous beyond belief. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, the real point is that we're, I love Billich. I'll always love Billich. Simon loves Billich. You know, he's an iconic mm. character. Mm. He's a very bright man. He's a lovely guy. We can all see that. And 
he did his best, there's no doubt. But nevertheless, you talk about Amram Grant, we're in exactly the same position today, following Billich's reign, as we were on the day Avram Grant left West Ham. Yeah. That's where we are. We That's are, where we after, are. After a calamitous uh, transfer window going into uh, the Thunderdome, uh, we got through that season, survived, and then had another summer transfer window in which we could have regrouped. And... I think the players that yeah, yeah, you know, to be fair, people I'm were gonna, very pleased. I'm people, lay this at Simon's door, yeah. actually. Because, sorry to interrupt you. It's you know, all your fault. Uh, no, no. It's but I was fault. sorry. No, no. I'm going to remind something he of something he said this summer because mm-hmm. you know all this. These barristers, of, they never forget. No, hmm. I don't feel like casual. I was, I was, I was probably quite good. I was then in Asia, you know, <laughs> not knowing that I was going to, you know, catch this terrible thing that I got. Um, uh, Jeremy has a malaise that he caught uh, from the water, bad water in Asia. Yeah, and also from being a West Ham fan. Right. Jungle fever. Yeah. But yeah. Simon Shelley, this text, you know, we exchange texts as we often do, and it said something like, well, don't worry, because by the time you get back, we will have signed Hart, Hernandez and Anasovic. Yeah. The inference being three fantastic players. Now, you know, I was very excited. Personally, as Simon knows... If there's one player I think that's been incredibly hard done by over the last 18 months, it's Adrienne. I think yes. Hart is useless. I, he's got no passion. He doesn't love West Ham. He's not as good as Adrienne. And it makes me cry, actually. Yes, he's not. But a, after I, all I, he I did... I disagree. Well... I never liked... I, I, Adrian, I think he's I think, a great goalkeeper. I think he's a great shot stopper. He used to drive me mad that he'd be rooted to his line. The ball would Adrian. be... Adrian, yes. do you like Hart? Oh, I, I disagree. No, Adrian... Well, it, there'll come a point where he thinks the crowd have been on at me. I need to come for a ball, and suddenly he'll be he'll be missing. Air Are we better off with on Hart? the edge of the penalty? Are we better area. off with Joe I, I just think that Adrian is a mistake waiting to happen, and that he's not. He's not. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a rubbish keeper. I think that he's prone to mistakes. He he, he doesn't think brilliantly at he's a really good shot stopper but he doesn't come for crosses when he should do and he does come for them when he shouldn't do and i spent a season being a bit of a lone voice moaning at him yeah i think you no may be to today yeah well okay so that's my you were happy yeah, when Dan randolph who in my view was literally glued to his play, line playing for uh he was also Barry. glued to his line mm. he was yeah no don the hammer don the hammer yearns for the days when peter grotier was between the sticks at west ham mm. and Stephen, bobby ferguson and steve and stephen diath or death whatever nothing no, nothing, nothing no i'm um, not saying he's materially no, no, better no but I, than, no, I understand that than adrian but, but i, I think that. adrian is far from but perfect let me ask simon because you know firstly you confirm that you sent me that i of course i sent it in the balmy summer of 2017 i did and what is your view now of these players that you're presenting as being you know at the uh, the foundation of our glorious future well I, th- I firstly i think that hernandez is a terrific player um but you've got to play him in the right places yeah. he is i hate yeah, well, the term I agree about that. he's a fox yeah. in a box and, is, and and yeah. the three chances he's actually been given the he's whole season he's coffee, finished yeah yeah um so you, you can't criticize him no, for I'm that Arnautovic is an extraordinarily t- talented footballer however the problem with Arnautovic is and would have been well known and is best summed up by um, Jose Mourinho who whilst he was manager of, of Inter Milan had within the Inter Milan squad Arnautovic um, Zlatan and um, oh, uh, Balotelli and and Jose says of the three of them the biggest lunatic by a mile was Arnautovic um, in Inter, when he was well, in Inter Milan. I don't have a problem with any of the players we bought. I have a real problem with the one that we didn't buy that was the That's most, uh, that was the most yeah. necessary, was someone to, stay in f- to protect that defence. And I've said it earlier, yeah. Obiang is capable. He's not the best in the world at it, but he's the best we've got. But he gets injured and we've got nothing no, there. No, Carval- no. Carvalho is, it was the player and was the player that the board, for all their talking... Um, if they were serious about it, and you, from what was released in terms of documentation, made me quite embarrassed. Um, if they call that a proper offer, you know, an, a shoddy email through an agent that will offer you like a cup of tea for a player mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's worth forty million pounds, and you think that that's making a serious offer, that deal. Sh- if it if it were true that he were genuinely interested of coming to West Ham, that deal should have been the first deal to be have been done. And I believe that um, Slavan did recognise. 
recognised that we needed a shield in front of the back four. Um, that player was identified and they failed and failed lamentably to get him. And after that, and it's what I alluded to before, they then came out publicly and said, well, we've offered Slavan two alternatives, neither of whom were, of course, a defensive midfielder. So why on earth he should be criticised for not taking them? I could never understand. Yeah, yeah we, um, I mean, if we stay up this season, uh, and that is an if at the moment, we, we just can't have another kind of shapeless transfer window like we did last time. I also think that there are, you know, and we've said this a few times, there is a kind of a good 11 men inside of the squad that we have. And hopefully, you know, the results are... Um, on Friday is a ground from which sort of Moyes can build and start to discover his best. When Hernandez comes back, that's going to be interesting because succeeding managers get sort of sucked into a kind of cult of Andy Carroll when he comes back and seems like an outlet for a long ball, seems like he might kind of create a bit of panic amongst the other team's defence. And he becomes very uh, tempting and quite kind of seductive to put him in the team as a starter. But I would like to see kind of, uh, you know, a front three of sort of Ayu and uh, Arnautovic and Hernandez or if you're moving Lanzini up to a sort of advanced position, him or him in number 10 position behind two of those three. Well, I I think that's right, but um, and I've long thought that um, we, Andy Carroll has overstayed his welcome at West Ham. I think he's, if he's good at anything, um, he, he's good coming on the last 20 minutes yeah, yeah, creating absolutely. havoc. Yeah. But he can't, he can't play for longer than that. But the, the real issue is, and this is the matter that Moyes has to resolve, some shape, way or form is, that um, in the modern style, um, we do not press. Um, we no. are the one team that sits off every other team. We don't press. We don't have we don't have a midfield that can press, and we don't have runners that can go beyond the play. And that is a fundamental yeah. problem for us. And he can't really change it terribly until January because he can't bring any fresh legs in to do that. So he's got to work with what he's got to somehow make us more effective pressing and having runners to go beyond the yeah. play. Yeah. And it'd be interesting tomorrow night because although the thought of having to win and we're needing to win at Goodison, um, given our record there, um, fills me with horror. In, in one way, it can be the perfect, could be the perfect game because the one thing that Everton do not have is pace going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where we get completely undone and have been repeatedly. Yes. Um, faced with pace, we have no response. They have none. And therefore, tomorrow night, there really is no excuse. They don't have a manager. Um, they have no pace. They're reliant. They on, I haven't heard the news well, today. But, but a manager who might be in place to make any difference tomorrow night. Um, they, they're, 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 principal forward is about 108 yes um and if we can't cope with that and get a result away from home at goodison tomorrow night then i don't think we're ever going to get one and bearing in mind of course unless a miracle occurs we're going to get wiped out in the three games thereafter come christmas we're in deep doo-doo yeah it's interesting that um uh I mean, when I first saw him at the beginning of uh, last season, I sort of thought this guy is a bit more like a midfielder, uh, Masuaku. He has got a, he's got a good touch. He's got a good range of passing. But also, since we sold anyone that can kind of run, I mean, we didn't see much of Gokantore, but it seemed like he was sort of at least... Um, the sort of recipe for a kind of old-fashioned winger, Faguli sort of was. Um, as you say, Simon, if you if you if you do sit back as we've been doing, you have to have pace to mm-hmm. it, and that's you know just the efficiency of. We went to Watford, also, Jim and I, and seeing the efficiency of their breaks, not huge, you know, skill or competent, but just literally a competent break at pace where people got forward, ran quickly, and passed the ball. But look at the goal we conceded on Friday night. It was absolutely yes, shambolic right. in every yeah, yeah. single yes. way. Um, first of all, Zabaleta got drawn inside and was was following the ball instead of picking yeah. up the space on, on on the right where he should have been. How Vardy should never been in a position. Oh, um, no, and Ogbonna. Uh, I mean, you know, we all played. We all grew up in the same area, the three of us, and, and playing in our local school teams. If any one of the three of us had fluffed that ball like Ogbonna, we would have been absolutely lambasted I mean, for the rest of the term. Well, I wouldn't have because I was quite good. Oh, <laughs> I said, if we had made so that mistake, Jerry, I remember. I was terrible. I remember Jerry. It's an Ilford-based legal row. I was the Bertie Lutton of part, but. You know, just coming back to to your point about players like Ayu and Hernandez, I mean, you know, and Carroll. I mean, also, we have to recognise that we've now got the new Andy Carroll. The old Andy Carroll was the £35 million yes, player. Yes, that's right. Who, who, in fact, 
you know, on several occasions over the last couple of years, has scored some great goals and has been quite inspirational. Yeah. The new Andy Carroll appears to be more, you know, uh, 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 more preoccupied with assaulting other players and actually... Yeah. He doesn't win the 50-50 balls. No, no he doesn't right. anymore. Does no. But I think we do need to recognise, I mean, you know, I'm not great on tactics myself, but whenever I watch Ayu, you know, he's always on for five, ten minutes here and there, but to me he looks like a really good player. It's just that we haven't. He's one of those. Well, he has we, a knack of scoring. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. Which, actually, which is he has good. not had By a that, run in the team. Even though we bought it for he twenty odd million, he hasn't had a run in the team no, in, no. in one position since he signed. Can, can he I signed just, him for twenty million pounds. Yes. Yes. Well, can I just say this about Andre Ayew? Um, I have a vested interest. I I watched Andre Ayew play for Ghana in the under twenty World Cup finals in Cairo. I went there. Um, Ghana FA, my client, and I went for the. I went to Cairo for the game, and he was man of the match against Brazil. They. Um, um, Ghana won on, on a penalty shootout. He was he was the player of the tournament, um, and he was head and shoulders yeah, well, that, um, that above it. It above everyone else in that tournament. Cool. But of course, you've got to remember he's from footballing royalty, Andre. Yeah. his father, father was, was arguably yeah. Ghana's greatest ever or Africa's greatest ever mm. footballer, Abide Pele. So, so, so Abide Wayu. So we've um, got him, and, and we, we have. And, him. and I agree with Simon. Player. I don't want to be misunderstood. We've got Hernandez. I think Hernandez is a phenomenal. He's a brilliant acquisition. Yeah, yeah. So so we've got those players. Got to play. Them in the right We've position, you know. I mean, this extraordinary, you know, uh, Win Billich was was uh, lauding Hernandez by saying, you know, he's a really good lad. He's doing a job for the team. Stuck out oh, wide nightmare. or on his own nightmare. up front, nightmare. trying to trap, you know, long that was, ball, you because know, that yeah, was all that, to accommodate Andy Carroll. Yeah, yeah. yeah but like it crazy. or not, Carroll will be in tomorrow night. And I don't know when Hernandez is back, but not my guess tomorrow. is it's not for not tomorrow. And, and, the, other, and the other omission, of course, is the one player that we do have with blistering pace, although he may not, not have a brain. Is almost like one of those characters out of, um, of yeah, mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, following the yellow brick road. Um, he's got pace, but he may not have a brain. And that's Mikhail Antonio, yeah, yeah. who really does have phenomenal pace. But the problem we have with him is we have very few, if anyone, who can actually keep up with him. Yeah. So he yeah. makes a brain. He but, comes back and Hernandez comes back. We could be effectively relegated mm-hmm. that's the problem because because if we they're not okay you know no i don't take that view i i, I think that even assuming we're going to lose the next um against the three big games and probably we'll lose at everton tomorrow night because we're west ham and we're playing at goodison <laughs> yeah so um but i think there are enough other rubbishy teams <laughs> that even though we should be bottom and detached by christmas we probably won't be. We'll probably be in the mix. And I think that there is a decent squad there. And you think and Moyes, think Moyes will the get job. them organised. We have to We have to hope and pray. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, think I, so. I, I, I still think so. the odds are that we will stay up. It won't be by much. But I, as pessimistic as I it's am very tomorrow night, actually. I'm optimistic there, over the season there's that we'll a very, still be in the Premier League. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, there's a really well-written piece on BBC Sport today about David Moyes, with a number of contributors, the principal one being Alan Green, the Radio 5 commentator, yeah. who, is, who is an absolutely massive fan of David Moyes and analyses the and reasons... he's a big Man U fan, isn't he, Alan I'm Green? I'm not sure. I think he is. I'm not sure, but he analyses the reasons for Moyes' demise and genuinely considers he took the Man United job too early, Real Sociedad was just, you know, was... <clears throat> A disaster, and Sunderland was, you know, was a I think so too. calamity way to happen. And he says, you know, that, that firstly he says that Moyes' public persona is completely misleading, and that he is in fact a very passionate, intelligent, and humorous man. And secondly, that in football, in football, that Moyes is one of the most respected coaches in football. Uh, he did a fantastic job says. for eleven years. Everton. Yeah, he is yeah. immensely kind of inept in front of a microphone, isn't he? There he was the awkward. there was the thing about women, awkward. which yeah, I, I think slap. you know, yeah. in a way, he was. I think when he made that remark, it. it, it it's one of those things that sort of came out wrong. In a way, he was sort of going, yeah. I'm treating you just yeah. like a man, yeah. even though you're a woman. And of course, you're equally deserving. But it just, came out, in the, it just came out in the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, and of course, the you great know. irony being the biggest cr- critic of that particular blip yeah. was um, one Baroness yes, yes. Um, Karen Brady, Brady yeah, yeah. And publicly sim- rebuked Similarly, him. after the Leicester game, uh, you know, the, the microphone was stuck in his face and the, the sort of interviewer said something along the lines of... Um, you know, commitment, pressing. What he's sort of saying is it was a better performance. And Moyes said something like, uh, well, you'd think you wouldn't have to tell them that, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the, then the, sort of, then the interviewer kind of goes, 
um, yeah, but I want you. It's not a rhetorical question. I want you to answer, <laughs> and it's sort of, and it, it feels, like, it, feels like, it feels like it feels like every uh, David Moyes. Uh, yes, but I, it's I, not. It's like a kind of weird Nigel Pearson thing, go, sort of going. Well, what are you asking me? What are you? I mean, no, well, we're said, asking you what he you said. Th- well, don't you think that is the minimum one should one's entitled to expect? Yes, but you don't. But what he right. did was ask a question back to an interviewer who's asking him a question. So answering with a weird, I, uncomfortable, I think, okay. with a weird, I'm com- uncomfortable. I'm comfortable if he's brilliant on the training ground and crap in front of the yeah. microphone. No, I think the thing about yes, but well, actually, but yeah, but actually, that does get managers sacked when they're kind of in, inept. Well, yeah, but you know, the thing is, people yes. like Pardew were very good in front of the microphone, and like modern yeah, football slightly think, involved. I think on that point, the discussion between you will only matter how good he is on the microphone, you know, in front of the microphone, depending on how we're doing on the pitch. If if we're doing great on the pitch, no one will care if he's terrible before a microphone. But for me, two things about Moyes. Firstly, I don't really like the backroom staff he's brought in. I mean, Alan Irvin, you know, has again been sacked and sacked and sacked again. Stuart Pearce has been sacked and sacked and sacked. Bobby Maguire, Billy Maguire, whoever, God knows who, spent a glorious career (laughs) playing for Preston, fine. But it's all about Moyes, really. The one thing about Moyes, you know, obviously he was selected by Virgin, etc., that's great. The one thing about Moyes that gives me hope, you know, in the background of him having done a very good job at Everton, is that he needs to succeed. Yes, that's right, yeah. He has to succeed. It's not like he's come in and it really doesn't matter. For him, this is... This is a crusade. I want to show that I'm a top-class manager. Well, we've said this before, and and the great irony is, and and I've said it before, is that it's actually, in a a strange way, more important for him than it is for us. Absolutely. Because if he doesn't doesn't succeed, it's over for him. He's got nowhere else to go. And he looks like he's driven in that way. Well, and I mean, I think that... that, And he's got the players. He's got the players to give him. And he made some changes after the Watford game. He dropped Noble. He bought Masuaku in because he's he saw that sort of uh, some sort of pace <laughs> yeah. in the you know in the other team's half and at least half an ability to and cross. he got Anatovic running yes I mean, he got quite a remarkable yes. achievement yes yeah and that was that was a lot of psychology in that there was stuff coming out in the press that, that, that were being leaked and no doubt yeah. intentionally yeah. leaked I expect more from Anatovic mm. you know he was working yeah, yeah. on him mm. well look and tomorrow night's a effect. massive test for Moyes yes. isn't it you know that game is I think we'll win tomorrow night that's my view I think that game's Very there good. for should we do they're, predictions? They're game, well, you stuck your neck out. Jeremy, well, Jeremy Dean Queen's Council says we're because win. we're a better team. We've got a good manager. You know, they've got no manager. We uh, gained a bit from the Leicester game. You know, I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-0 tomorrow night. That's two-nil. my prediction. Simon? I think we'll have a Leicester City bounce and we'll lose 1-0. Lose <laughs> 1-0. Don the Hammer? I think we are a better team. But I would be deeply shocked if we got any sort of positive result because it's Why? a way at Everton. Why? And I know, but t- this is not Everton. That we'll, that, that, this is not Everton. No, I keep, tell- I keep telling Everton. myself that. Okay, my prediction is we'll lose. <laughs> I really so, want to be let's wrong. Have let's have a score. 2 0. Everton 1, West Ham United 3. I say. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I think. Uh, and I you think predicted 3 a- 0 when we were away to Liverpool. I did, yes, yes. Famously, uh, for our away at Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, I predicted Liverpool nil, West Ham three, and that was the score. And how much money did you put on that? Nothing. And do you know uh, something else? And I genuinely mean this. I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy. I think we're going to point to Man City as well. You are crazy. I do genuinely. And would you like me to certify it with a certificate come Monday? Um, if, I think we'll get a point. I know. I, we, I should know wrap up things, on, we should wrap up uh, on that huge. I know. I, I've got to say this. I've got to say this. I know all things Man City because not only was I there to see us win 2-1 I was also there to see us lose 6-0 and back at Upton Park to see us lose 3-0 in the home leg so I I claim a lot of credit just before we do finish my uh, colleagues here and we all grew up together yes um, you know literally which of you, if not both, remember the woman with the bell that used to come with Man City to Upton Park? Oh, God, yes. She used to ring that bell. It was a bell. I remember it the day well, Ted McDougall made his debut Like off a boat where you used oh, to yeah, yeah. move it around. Yeah. Like the, I, real, the wheel tappers and shunters right, social club yes. bell. Yes. I remember, Man do you remember, City the, do you remember the guy my God, in the late 60s, maybe very early 70s, the guy with the Union Jack waistcoat and the top hat. Oh, God, yeah, who went to cup finals. He was the mascot. His name was 
was Ken something. Yes, he was. He was Ken. Livingston. But of course, if you're looking for good omens, it was at then Main Road, of course, but at Man City away, where Jimmy Greaves on his debut scored five two, and and of course, and Ticker Boyce scored from almost the halfway line from a clearance. And Herbert Dudigal scored the winner on his debut. So there we are. All very, very encouraging. (laughs) With me this evening have been Don of the Hammer. Good evening. Simon Pencil. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Jeremy Dean. Thank you very much, uh, Phil. This has been an all-legal stop hammer time. My name's Phil Whelans. Come on, you irons. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others. And when budgeting for software software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.